0: Please be seated. It was early. It was still dark. Mary went to the tomb. I imagine that she needed space to grieve. Before the day began, she needed time to try to make sense of what had happened, what had happened to her teacher, her friend, her companion. She needed time to figure out what to do next in her own life. She expected to go to a place of death where his body laid, to see suffering and pain, to try to make sense of it all. Instead, she encountered the place Jesus had been. Instead of finding what was, she found what was not. When others went away confused after seeing the tomb empty, Mary, she stayed. She stayed there in that place. She wept. Something kept her there. She wasn't ready to take emptiness for an answer. I've come to believe that the fact that Mary stood there, stood there at the mouth of the empty tomb, was in fact the first act, the first act of defiant Easter hope. And that emptiness, it did not turn out to be empty after all. There is a distinct space marked where Jesus had been. Two angels are standing there holding holding space. Mary demands to know where they have taken her Lord. The desolation of her statement is haunting. They have taken away my Lord, she says, and I do not know where they had laid him. Just tell me, just tell me. It's too much to bear. And Jesus speaks to her. Mary, he says. He calls her name. And in that moment, she is known. She is known for who she is. She is loved. And she knows that her Lord is raised. And she becomes the one the one to tell the story, the first apostle. I have seen the Lord, she says, and proclaims it to others. Whatever actually happened early that first Sunday morning, one thing is certain something did happen. And the story that was told caused a small band of people to rethink everything, to rethink their entire lives, their relationships with one another, how they participate in the world they live in, how they spend their money, how they spend their time. And oddly enough, what changed more than anything else was their understanding of who God was, how God is working, and the nature of God. A community spun out of those events that Sunday morning. A small band that was formed about the, around the giving love of one man, it became transformed, transformed into something much greater than it ever was before. It became a community that loved, that welcomed, that invited all people, invited all people without judgment or price, invited all without regard for what they looked like or who their parents were, where they had come from or where they were going, who they loved, what their family looked like, whether they're rich or poor. A community that believes that death does not have the last word, that no chance is the last one, and that forgiveness is something always to be aspired to, and that God, God is powerful enough to bring good out of absolutely any evil. We live in a world that sends us messages, that teaches us stories that I have found limit our vision. Stories about violence being a solution. Stories about how success is measured through what we have or what we own. Stories about how always being thin is better. How busyness is a sign of our value or of our strength tells us stories that protecting what's ours should happen at any cost, and that death always wins. These stories that shape our reality, shape our vision, that limit our reality, limit our vision. I know we often can experience this limited vision in our own lives, with our own struggles in work or family, the pain of an illness, the joy an adjustment of a new child or one on the way, or the loss of not being able to have one at all. We can experience this limited vision maybe as our, as our children grow older, and we wonder what our home life is going to be like. Maybe it's as we grow, grow older and lose some control or health. Or maybe when you and your spouse look at one another and wonder, what now? We know this limiting vision, maybe from being out of work for months and waiting, waiting for things to turn around. We all know what this can be like sometimes, how we can become stuck, stuck in a limited vision, whatever the reason, become stuck in a vision that is shallow or enclosed, a vision where we cannot see that there will ever be a way out, another way to go, an alternate way to live, a vision where death has won, And life seems to have lost. We've been there. We know it. And that's where hope comes in. That's where we need resurrection eyes to see. Resurrection eyes that see new life coming out of death, renewal out of destruction, hope, out of despair. Seeing the world through these resurrection eyes, it can be hard work. It doesn't come naturally in the midst of all the stories we hear in this world. Our per- former presiding bishop, Catherine Jefford Shorey, once said, we are not born with the ability to insist on seeing the resurrection everywhere we turn. It takes the discipline and repetition that forms an athlete, in this case a spiritually fit Christian. We practice our faith because we must. It withers and atrophies unless it's stretched. And this is not something that you or I or any of us can do alone. It takes a community the shared hope of a community is essential to build these resurrection eyes of hope. The Christian community, the Church, is meant to be a kind of mutual hope society, which, with each one of us offering courage to one another whose hope has waned, insisting that even in the darkest of night, new life is being prepared. A community that shows us that there is no experience, no evil, no loss, no dark place that God cannot bring new life to, cannot bring new life out of. This work of learning hope is constant. It never ends. And still, we persist in learning it, year in and year out, in times of darkness, immense tragedy, in times of joy and new birth and all the regular times in between. Together we are able to shout, Alleluia, Christ is risen. We're able to shout that together then because even when some of us are not quite so confident, there's others who are holding it up. I know I need this. I know I need the church. When my hope wanes, when I feel trapped in, when I feel there's nowhere to go, I need you. I need you to show me the way of God, to show me the resurrection, to help me know hope. And as it's true for me, it's true for each one of us. That's what we show one another. That's what we gather here to do, to build up each other, so that together we can say, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. The entire community does this together for you and for me. Someone once said, the church got it wrong when it became a place to go and not a people to be. The church got it wrong when it became a place to go and not a people to be. The church is the community of God that comes out of the resurrection, that comes out of Mary's defiance standing there at the empty tomb. It's a community that came out of those strange events that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. It's a community that now seeks to live that resurrection each day in our daily life. Everything we do here, all of the worship, the music, the children and adult education, the fellowship, the service, this beautiful building, maintaining the parking lot, cleaning the snow in the winter, and watering the grass in the summer, Somehow, it's all about being the people of God, being the people of the resurrection. It's about being shaped and formed to more perfectly be this people, this people who declares that life comes out of death, that no hope is lost, and love always wins. The ancient desert fathers and mothers of our faith referred to the church first and foremost as a school, a school for love, a school for each one of us, for you and for me, a school that through prayer and learning, through fellowship, through life together, we can increase in the hope and love that God has already given us, increase in this love so that we can first share it with those who are nearest to us. And then it spreads out to those who are a step away, and a step away, eventually touching somehow the entire world, all of this to help bring about the resurrection dream of God here on Earth, a dream of a world where all are welcomed, all are valued just the way you are, whether you're, whether you're married or single, rich or poor, gay, straight, transgender, new immigrant, black, white, brown, rich or poor, young or old. A dream that brings about justice to the nations, comfort to the lonely, sight to the blind, freedom to those who are in bondage, hope to those who are scared. In short, spreading this promise, this promise of the resurrection to the entire world. And what about you, and what about me? Here we are today. We've been brought here because someone told us the story of the resurrection. And now we're all part of it. Here we are standing at the door of the empty tomb. Maybe we'll leave confused like the men. And later learn the truth, or stand defiantly there like Mary. We all are invited to be a part of this. Where will you go? Who will you tell? What will you do with this resurrection story today? Amen.